Welcome to BR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of VR and Education. Today's episode looks at how VR games might be thought of as double agents. And by telling their story, I hope to move them from outcasts in the world to learning heroes. I know that nobody appreciates a tattletale, but I'm here today to pull the curtain on many popular, well-designed VR games to reveal their true identity as a valuable tool in schools and, of course, places of learning. Some non-violent, exquisitely designed VR games play a double agent in our society. Disguised as a form of entertainment and masked by excitement and active gameplay, Many VR games like Akron, Attack of the Squirrels, Beat Saber, Angry Birds, Isle of Pigs, and many, many more, they don't seem to be welcome, appreciated, or even accepted in institutions of learning. Alas, according to a study done by the Pew Research Center, over 56% of people surveyed in the United States believe that the majority of video games are just a misuse of our time. So given this startling fact, it's safe to say that video game companies are hesitant to sound out and trumpet the benefits of VR games in educational institutions from the top of a high mountain. <sighs> so unfortunately, a large number of VR games, good ones, are perched on a popular entertainment site like Steam or in the Oculus Store, and they're disguised there, and they're hidden away, never, probably ever to be found by most teachers. First, let's clear up some terminology. What is a double agent, you say. Well, loosely defined, a double agent might be someone perceived to be a spy for one country, in our case, the entertainment business, when in fact, they're actually providing intelligence and information for another often competing country, in our case, educational institutions. There have been many riveting double agent stories in both fiction and nonfiction. One of my favorites was good old Servius Snape in the Harry Potter series. As the books played out, many believed, including yours truly, that he was evil and he was part of Voldemort's team to get rid of young Harry Potter. Spoiler alert here. Much to our surprise, Servius Snape was actually a good guy, and he gave his life to protect beloved Lily Potter's son, Harry, at all costs. So how do VR games 
fit this label I've established, this metaphor, if you will. To many traditionalists in the field of education and learning, VR games provide little to no value beyond maybe the enhancement of fine motor skills in our reaction time. Yet, behind the veil of many VR games is this secret identity that gives it, in my opinion, a hero-like status. In the world of counterintelligence, it is not easy to earn respect. Deceiving others often has grave consequences. VR games currently uphold this outcast status in most schools and places of learning. Games and gaming appear to be a destructive force in our society. This strain and tug-of-war between being part of the entertainment world and on the side of learning has left many cautious about using VR games or video games in general inside schools. We tend to downgrade the use of games as useful learning experiences because we want to avoid harsh criticism. Well, guess what? It's time to put education interests ahead of the entertainment industry. I've tried to unveil games in my classroom, often only to be chastised by administrators, some students, believe it or not, and many parents. You know, if we were to personify a VR game, also known as a double agent in my podcast, and sat it down in a room, gave it a lie detector test, here's probably what it would tell you. Question one, do you find yourself disguising your true identity of being more than just a form of entertainment? Yes, says the VR game. Is it your intent to make parents and other traditional educators uneasy regarding your usage? No, not at all, says the VR game. Have you explicitly told others that you are a waste of time for anyone wanting to engage in your content? No, says the VR game. Do most participants who engage in your content enjoy what you have to offer? Absolutely, says the VR game. When given the freedom to choose who would you rather be associated with, entertainment or education? Education, please, says the VR game. I recently exposed students to a VR game called Tetris Effect for the first time. Tet Tetris Effect is a game whereby the students have to manipulate blocks onto a grid or we call it a playing field. So as the blocks drop from the top of the screen, they need to be arranged so that there are no spaces or gaps in the playing field. If you get a horizontal line in the playing field that is completely covered by all the little blocks, it disappears, leaving you with more room to stack more blocks in the playing field. 
And the game ends when the player runs out of space on their grid or playing field because too many of the blocks have stacked up all the way to the top. On the surface, Tetris Effect seems like a fun and entertaining game and for sure it challenges our reaction skills. But when one interrogates this VR game or I'm using air quotes here, learning experience, with careful investigation, one might realize that there is another secret identity to Tetris Effect VR that has been proven in several studies. In other words, many see it as highly educational. According to an article written by The Telegraph News, Tetris Effect enhances our general cognitive functions such as critical thinking, reasoning skills, and processing skills. And overall, it increases our cerebral cortex thickness. Go figure. I have played Tetris Effect and I can definitely attest to it being a mental workout. As the bricks drop frantically from the top of the screen, your brain has to quickly decide which way to orientate them and where to arrange them. And without any set of rules or any strategy whatsoever, the bricks can certainly pile up very quickly and it's, ta-da, it's game over. Yet, the response by my students when they were exposed to this game was mixed. Students who have mastered what I call the rigmarole of school and the convergent thinking that comes along with teach them facts, let them memorize those facts, and then allow them to regurgitate them back on a test. These students were super uneasy with playing the game. Uh, Mr. Frelick, are we taking a break from our curriculum today? said one student when they found out we were playing Tetris Effect. Another one asked, uh, how will this help us with our end of year exam coming up, Mr. Frelick? Furthermore, one of my teaching colleagues observed the kids playing the game in the hallway at our VR station. And he came to me and said, jeepers, be careful. The principal's doing his rounds today, and if he sees those kids fooling around like that, you could get in trouble. And then, alas, there were some students that were stoked that we were doing something super active. These were the divergent thinkers. Two of them stayed after class, and they talked to me about game strategy for Tetris Effect. So, do you think it... It's better when you get a big, long, five-block brick to automatically position it on one of the sidewalls, Mr. Frelick. What's your strategy there? He pondered. Or, when you're absolutely sure, early, as the brick is dropping, where you want to put it, do you speed up the fall so that your time is better in the game? Or, Mr. F, do you let the brick fall at a really slow rate in order to get more time to think strategically about your best move? 
inquired a second student. According to James G. in his book, What Video Games Teach Us About Learning and Literacy, there are several reasons to use well-designed video games as a learning tool. Here are four from his book that I thought were mentionable. Number one, video games allow us to take on identity with new roles, personas, whether it be an exploratory problem solver in a puzzle game like a Fisherman's Tale VR, or maybe what it's like to be a homeless person in Becoming Homeless VR. Number two, video games teach us to learn how to fail. Soft skills like grit, resilience, and learning from our mistakes are highly desirable in today's ever-changing world. And by teaching kids to accept mistakes, refine them, and then move forward, we are developing more connections within their brain. According to James G, number three, the third reason that video games can be highly applicable for learning is that they allow us to learn about and come to appreciate design and then design principles in general. So things like empathy, what's the user experience going to be like, affordances, like how do we grip the buttons or where should we touch the screen in VR? And then iteration, which means learning, getting feedback, tweaking, and then learning to fix it more. All these become a big part of a student's vernacular and very worthy for learning. The last reason I want to point out about how video games can be applicable to learning is that they allow us to learn about interconnectedness of systems. Things like images and words, actions and symbols and artifacts within a game. And then how are they meant to be connected so that they communicate a proper story in this complex system we call a video game or a VR game. So when we look at this list of four, they all sound like worthy intellectual endeavors to me, I'm not sure then the apprehension of more than 50% of the people in the United States. So where do we go from here? Well, clearly we have to change the image and reputation of VR games and what they perceive to have to offer to learning environments in schools. It's time to turn them from these outcasts to heroes and hold them in high regard in the vast majority of learning communities around the world. So I have four suggestions for you to move games or VR games specifically to a position of respect and honor in schools. Number one, make sure that you encourage and promote reflective talk and critical thinking before, during, and after a VR game or experience. By scaffolding student metacognition through targeted questions related to the concepts 
and then the debates that might go on, we make it more obvious that this VR application or game is for learning. Idea number two, give students time within the application to learn to fail, or they're gonna fail to learn, really. VR games and video games in general lower the barrier and disappointment associated with failing. Students need to feel comfortable in the VR, and if we rush that process while they're in the virtual OWL experience, they may not get the idea that failure is okay. Number three, ensure VR games or experiences are highly active or interactive. It's way more difficult to reflect and interrogate and critique when not much is going on in front of you. So provide VR games that allow users to pick up and manipulate objects, allow the user to experience a game where they can move around and be exposed to as many senses as possible. Number four, my last tip. Connect VR experiences to other VR learning experiences. So have students think about other VR games and draw on them to help them compare and contrast what went on in one versus the other. For example, a question like, how did your identity differ in this one compared to a previous VR application that you embarked on? In conclusion, many good double agent stories end in shock or awe, and they're often, or we often leave the participant with this negative impression of the agent. Society as you may know, holds high regard for honesty and truth, and we feel ill and sick when we're duped or cheated or deceived. Double agents may be interesting characters, but the consequences of their intentionally deceptive actions leave them usually shunned by most people in society. So it's time to change this story or narrative. In other words, let's remove the cloak and dagger persona of being solely an entertainment experience. And let's unveil its true purpose as a tool for powerful learning. I think we need to rebrand or reclassify VR games into dropping the game and calling them VR learning experiences. What if we worked more closely with game designers and companies to change the language and the descriptions of VR games toward an educationally friendly version that highlights the learning benefits touted by most well-designed VR games? Think of it. Think of how much more or how prevalent it would be for students to lean into their learning and enjoy their learning experiences if we expose them to well-designed VR games. But these games have to be entering our classrooms and learning institutions at a much higher rate. And they shouldn't be, when they enter our classrooms and learning institutions, ridiculed and shamed 
or disguised with trench coats and sunglasses. Thank you everyone for listening to this little rant about VR games. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon.